happy Saturday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Puck Dynasty. My name is Ryan Black. I'm here with my good buddy, Evan Debert. How are you today, Ev? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's, well, it's Friday evening for us, so we're just uh, gearing up. We got our big... That's right. We're, we're doing time travel shit right now. Yeah, you know? exactly. It's like, you know, you're, you're hearing us into the future, but... Um, Whoa. But yeah, we got... I don't know everyone else's leagues going on, but we got our trade deadline happening in in our big keeper dynasty league. So it's uh, I'm sitting back and watching because I can't. <laughs> the rules have changed. I can't sell. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm just so ready. <laughs> I'm so ready to hop into the future here with our friends, with our listeners. I love this movie so much. Are you Back to the Future, the guy? Oh, yeah. Hell, yeah. You and I don't see eye-to-eye on a lot of movies because I've always been a Trekkie in your mind despite not watching Star Trek. So I, I never like know when you. it comes to yeah. sci-fi. I never I never dived into the Star Wars. I'm sure I would have liked it, but I didn't have the influence. Star Wars is pretty good. Yeah. Star Wars is pretty good, man. I like it a lot, it, although it hasn't been great lately. Uh, yeah, like you said, it's trade deadline, man. Uh, Ev and I, as we've mentioned, are kind of polar opposites on the, on the trading stuff. I go nuts for it. I think I've been texting you every night all week with different trade ideas. Hey. Yeah. And yeah, I say yes, no. And then you give me your reasoning. I'm like, okay, if you want to do it, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually right though. I'm usually right. Well, sometimes like you're working on some monsters, right? Like you're... Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 a bit more conservative when it keeps like a stable, but you like to like go for it, go for the win, um, and it pays off for you. Like it's and it doesn't pay it off nearly as much for me. So it's uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's if you're active and you you're really good at building relationships with other GMs and kind of keeping that going and so so that that helps when it comes to trade deadline time and just trading throughout the season for you so yeah you know um relationship building is big in every league for sure i talk a lot with guys not even necessarily about trades um last night i was talking with one gm arizona in our league who i talk to sometimes the last deal so this episode by the way is very much going to be uh, talking about trading, train strategies, train histories, train ideas, just really trying to show how we, I, you think when it comes to trades. So Zona is the guy I stole Bouchard from earlier in the year. No. So I was talking with another GM and he said, it's bad when you're coming at it from a stance where you just lost a deal to the guy. And I said, yeah, I get that. Sometimes you want to make it up, make up for it. And it's the wrong attitude to have. But it's also bad when you're approaching a guy who you really took for a ride on the last deal. Because they're like, we had a deal last night for Kachuk. It was done. And then he went, no, wait a minute. I need to make up for this Bouchard deal. You need to add Paterka. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> we had a deal. Paterka isn't. Paterka isn't uh, sorry about Bouchard. Paterka's Paterka. I love Paterka. And he's saying, well, I'll give you this, and none of it works for the cap. And I'm like, dude, like, this is a great offer for you, but I can't make it bigger. Like, I can't. I don't have the roster space. I don't. It's not going to work. 
And now he's, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. The deal I've been working on all week. So for context, I'm in first. I'm probably, I'm one win away from sealing up the league title, which is 350 American. So it's worth winning. Uh, and Diebert's in la- second last? Yeah, it, la- I'm tied for last, yeah. Very, very intentionally. You're probably going to be in last again next year, too, safe to say, when we got the McKenna. Yeah, and uh, no, next year is Hagen's and Misa. Um, yeah, I, I won't be making a concerted effort to to win next year, so it, it wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't be in my best interest to to make that move quite yet. And so I got some prospects that I'll probably save to sign at the end of the year next year, and then. Um, like the interesting thing that our league did and why I said I can't make any trades right now, because usually this would be like, you know, retain salary, get as many picks. That was that was how we did things forever. And that's how most leagues do things. But our commissioner um, came up with an idea to do a lotto bracket. So at the end of the year, during the playoffs, the bottom three teams are battling it out for the first overall pick in the entry draft. So, so I got to keep some some ammo in the uh, in the gun here to to try to get Celebrini for next year. So, so I, yeah. I, I can't I can't move anyone. I got guys asking for Pareko at fifty percent, and um, like I would take the, I would take whatever for him normally, but so I might throw out an offer. Like one was from Burn. Um, and he wants Pareko 50%. I might just... For what? Well, he just asked if he was available. I was like, I can't I can't trade anyone. I, I got to have some... And so I might just throw it out to him last minute tomorrow. You know Burn. He's not going to take it. He's going to he try to take you me for anything. a ride. But I'll be like, yeah, for... It's not worth the, th- it's not worth the third yeah. block. Well, no, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, LeCarrie Le- Mackey for Pareko 50%. You got a deal. <laughs> And he'll say, "Are you crazy?" Like, so this I is can't. a great. This is this is a great segue. Yeah. So <laughs> to one of my most important things about trading and what leads to good relationships is not throwing out shit like Lecker Mecky for Pareko fifty percent. That's all I would That's do a great, for. Right? It's a great way to end the conversation. Yeah. I you wouldn't take a second for him. Mm. Think about it. You could I guess you could turn around. Picks. Yeah, I could. I could maybe take a second for him. But even then, take a like, second. Like, what's he going to give me in in a final two weeks of the season he'll give me like five six fantasy points that might cost me you know and i gotta eat the money well you turn so, around and you sign you turn around and you sign a guy not a lot available but what's Pareko? 0.9 points per game no he's doing well especially lately he's at like 1.25 or 1.22 is he yeah well i apologize that is my bad you could turn around i don't know what your cap situation is but some guys available in this league are like tyler sagan at 10 mil is 1.1 yeah, no that's the thing i'm ready tanov chris tanov is available he's 0.9 points per game about to get traded he makes 4.5 mil so you sacrifice 0.3 points per game you get a second out of it even then i don't i don't i don't have the cap for that so how are you cap strapped what are you talking how is that possible like i I could send down a guy like skinner and then but i can't like i gotta start buying out guys like these guys anyone listening doesn't know like the intricacies of our league but um but yeah it is a cap league i've got i got no players on on the reserve so i'm running a 
a bare bones lineup up against the cap and I've had a few buyouts and to sign anyone I got to buy some someone out as well so well just for shits and giggles you could easily wave Wilson save five mil and buy out a guy like whatever like find a guy who makes him a bruisey now you got five mil to use yeah true so you'd profit a second from Pareko you'd lose 0.3 points per game and sign Tanev, which would be great because he'll probably put up better points than Pareko if he gets traded. Yeah. Anyways, these are the types of moves that we're here to talk about today because this is how you make your team better. Debert's absolutely right. This league has made it hard to be a seller because of the lottery that happens with the bottom three teams now. You need to hold some stuff. We have kind of discussed a way around that in... Our league, any player that you that this league, any player that you draft goes into a separate team. You have two years, three years to sign the guy, um, and you can sign him at any point. So what Deeper could do with his well, you got like eighteen mentionable prospects in your juniors right now. Mm-hmm. He could take a guy like Slavkovsky, sign him once the play once the lottery wars start, and he adds him to his roster. Yeah. So. He tanks without Slavkovsky once the time comes to win. He adds Slavkovsky, profits to the bank. You know, yeah. not bad. Next year would be a better year for that for me because I have, um, I got Minty. Cooley. Oh, no, you already have Cooley. I already okay. have Cooley. I have Minty. I could sign Leo. Um, and then, oh, shit. I don't remember. You've got tons of guys. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do slap this year too. Like, I mean, th- I think you're going to. Um, yeah, the difference I'm leaning that first way. And second, I was reading today about like on the Habs forum about you know if they sign him to an eight year deal, can they get a discount starting next year? And it's like I want to get that locked in. Anyway, so that's too much too too much information. But I got to try yeah, to get Celebrini this year. So yeah, sacrifice. Got to do everything. Yeah. And from my perspective, I am. Very actively shopping Fantilli and Clark, uh, Brant Clark, two of my favorite prospects around um, to add to my team. I've thought of everything from adding Kachuk. I almost had a deal for Kachuk, for Clark, Jack Quinn, and Batherson. I had a deal from a car that I declined because adding 9 mil to my team is ridiculous and would hurt me too much in the coming years. So as appealing as Makar was but in that conversation about Makar came out and this is why you don't yes or no shit we talked it through and I said listen you're only adding 0.8 points per game to my team you're taking my two best prospects I'm sending you Bathurst and so you're only adding 0.8 to my team and he said well what would it take to actually move Makar and I said I need a lot I need like five points per game added to my team if I'm moving this so we've been discussing a three-way deal with uh, another team where he would send me like Brat, Robert Thomas, Brock Faber, and Thomas Harley. Those guys add up to 4.8 points per game. I would send Bathurst and Clark and Fantilli. I'm getting like a 3.7 point per game boost. That makes a ton of sense for me, I think. The contracts make a ton of sense for me. I'm in a position where I've got some contracts, like I've got Moritz Sider for three years at 1.7. That's a window, right? That's a window where I should be pushing because in three years he's making eight nine ten million and it's harder to win so i want to win right now um that's a deal i was hoping to announce that deal live the gm so i i cut the third party out because he kept trying to add more i was like this is what i'll give you 
you offer him this and he kept trying to get more back than what I was asking so I cut him out of it I asked his permission first but I was doing it anyways and I went straight to the other GM and I said listen if you want Makar having Fantilli and Clark is going to go a long way he said I'm interested I said I need these four guys he thought about it and then he said a soft no because he'd like to compete this year even though he's in eighth so now I gotta sell him on pushing back his competitive window a little bit hmm. which will be interesting I don't know if I'll be able to do it but I'm certainly going to try yeah that's uh, it's interesting because you know you look at the contracts there like he's got Brat locked in for a nice contract Thomas is having a great year um, but you know getting Fantilli and Clark like it's, it's tough it, it's tough when you have to cross that bridge for a to do the rebuild and to try to, you know, accumulate these prospects. And the thing you'll have to, uh, the thing I would tell him if I was you would be like, listen, Fantilli and Clark are not going to come knocking on your door again, ever. So you're looking at, you know, a top five forward prospect, probably like top three, and then like a top two defenseman prospects of fantasy hockey and so so this is your chance to to do that and get the rebuild going and I, I get it i get guys like doing a rebuild takes a lot of commitment it's you're just donating your money to the to the pool and just having fun but having said that it's a lot more fun rebuilding too <laughs> i love and tanking rebuild. like it's just like there's no pressure to win every year and uh and you get to like watch some prospects and follow prospects for a while. So it's just, I'm, I, I you got to be careful not to do an eternal rebuild. And you got to pick your window. But, but, uh, but yeah, getting Fantilli and Clark, and you know, he's losing some good players, but there's, there's nothing really like upper echelon that he's selling there. It's not like, it's not like he's losing a Nate McKinnon or something like that. But. Well, and this wouldn't be a rebuild. So this guy has just come out of a rebuild, and he came out strong. He's the guy who swiped Pasternak, Quinn Hughes, uh, a couple other big players. Oh, uh, Ottinger, someone else. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's, he's just not... Uh, what I said to him was, listen, you are at best the sixth best team. You're in eighth place. You're going to have to go through me and two other powerhouses to get to the finals a deal like this you, you kick the can a year two years at most and you're way stronger for it and you've got more cap so you know you're sending me nine mil i'm sending you batherson and two mil <laughs> you flip batherson you've got two guys who might be top 10 at their position in a few years makes a lot of sense so that's the Another point that I want to make is the most, I, I said this at the end of our episode a few weeks ago, in my opinion, the most important thing you have to do in all your offers is consider what makes sense for the other mm -hmm. team. If you send a guy in first place an offer with prospects in it, what are you doing? You know, you're wasting the guy's time. He's not going to want to talk to you. That conversation is not going to go anywhere. They start to think less of you. You can't build those relationships. The offer should always make sense. And I'm a pretty firm believer in you can be winning a deal 
because of what you know about the prospects. So let's use an Akishan, for example. If you're getting Akishan, you might have a base of knowledge that's stronger than that GM and be able to get him for cheap. But it can't look like it's a total theft right off the bat. It's just, it's a terrible, terrible strategy. There's a guy in a different league I'm in. So this league is 10 people. It's a keep 10. And he texted me two years ago after the deadline. I was in line waiting to get burgers from the best burger joint in Saskatoon. I had my kid with me. And it took an hour. It was a Friday night. We were going to, it's called Ace Burger. It's a great joint. If they want to sponsor us, we're open to it. Um... And he berated me for the whole hour we were sitting there. <laughs> because he was so mad that I got... I think I pulled off six deals that day. And he got zero. And he was just absolutely livid. And one of the deals... He had a point. He was probably making a better offer than me. But I said, well, let me see what you've been offering. Like, I, first of all, like I get you're mad because I'm going to kick your ass in the playoffs. And I did. But like, what, what are we talking about here? And he sent me his offers. And they were all laughable. He was offering, <laughs> as the best player in a lot of the deals, he was offering Newhook. At the time, Newhook was like the number one prospect on Dauber's list, which is a topic I won't get into right now. But he was like, he's the number one guy, and blah, blah, blah. And I can't believe I can't get Sidney Crosby for, for Newhook. Like, stuff like that. And I was just like, dude, no one in this league knows who Newhook is. And they're reading this. Why would they respond to you? Like, why would they respond to you? And they didn't. And instead what happened is I sent an offer that kind of made sense. And maybe they took it or maybe we had to tweak it. But the deal got done. And you know what we did along the way? We made fun of the new hook offer. And it made my offer look awesome. So you're boosting your competitors' offers by throwing out stuff that's downright insulting. You know, our league is a great example. The guy you're talking about with, uh, with Pareko. Burn does not get a lot of conversation. People are sick of talking to that guy. His offers suck. He often makes offers and then disappears. Just really bad ethics. And as a result, I think he's got one title. Has even... Yeah, he won one. He's got one title and people don't deal with him. So he's a great fantasy mind, but he can't play the trading side of the game at all. And as such, he's heavily restricted against guys like me, guys like NWS, where we're out there trading to make our teams better. And he's handicapped himself. Yeah, he's uh, yeah he 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 he's broken the golden rule in fantasy hockey trading with numerous GMs in our league. It's just like you don't make an offer and renege, never. Even if you screwed up and you did the wrong thing, you still got to follow through with it. Like there was, um, I didn't fully read like an old text for our our deal for the. The, uh, the UFA draft, and I, I missed that Jonathan Waugh was part of the D- Joshua or Joshua Waugh, Joshua. sorry, um, and Newhook. Yeah, and Newhook, and like Newhook was whatever. It was more of the Joshua Waugh, and I was just like, oh man, I wanted to see what he could do in the pros this year, but I said I agreed to it, and I agreed to it, and so, and it's still not turning out to be bad. You know, we'll see. I got Scott Morrow out of the deal. He'll probably sign after college this year, and maybe. Oh, that was a fine deal. Yeah, that was a fine deal. But you, you know what? Respect to you, it wasn't until you said, "Yeah, post it," and then you saw it posted, where you said, "Oh shit." Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and why these guys? Yeah, if uh, because we're buddies, I wouldn't have said, you know, I wouldn't have waited till if if it hadn't been posted, I probably still would have said, yeah, I agree. So, I I I know how upset I can get with uh, with other GMs. (laughs) You get mad, man. The maddest I've ever seen you was because of Burn. When uh, you remember, I was driving, and he had made a deal with you to get your pick back. I think was that time yeah that was to get your pick and maybe another pick yeah and yeah and uh and then i got an offer from him 10 minutes later with the same pieces he had offered you and you had already said yes deal post it and then he disappeared from your conversation showed up in mine and showed up in another guy's he was trying to get boldy from someone else so now he's got the same offer in essence to you me at least one other gm i think there were two and uh disappeared for the weekend hey and i think he'd even said like i'm gonna be gone for the weekend or something like that um so what i did <laughs> was you decided to say fuck him or if i recall or just said screw it so i went out and i got boldy and i made it so if you're gonna make a deal with these picks you're dealing with me or get the hell out of here and he came back from wherever he was i don't believe he was actually gone anywhere i think he was pondering and uh, it was deal with me or take a hike. So we took a hike. <laughs> and it worked but out. Like, I got a better a... deal for, for that. You did. We had the, we had it did work out. Set me up better. But it's, it's so simple. If you're making an offer, just lead it off with hypothetically, or I want to see what you think, or make sure in your email it says, I've got other offers out there and I'll need yeah. to hear it. Don't send that after you make an offer. I could maybe do this. And then that, it's that easy. leaves the door open for that. Um, one, one other strategy I like to use and, you know, maybe it's a bit of a low ball or asking too much, but I'll ask for more than I'm willing to accept in hopes that they come back and say, you know, I could, you know, if you get rid of this guy, like, I think it was my deal for Slefkowski and, um, Gunther, it was for Zabanajad. And I think I asked for, I think it was Swayman, Slefkowski, and Gunther for Zibby, um, knowing fully well that he needed to keep Swayman uh, just because of the way his, his team was lined up. And so I knew he would probably ask to take him out of the deal. And, and yeah, and then it worked out. And, you know, even though Slaff looked look bustish last year it's turned around for the oh, you, no you got the pick i got the pick yeah yeah you got the yeah pick. i guess That's yeah right. it, yeah, it was second overall yeah. Yeah. and i got slavkovsky oh that was such a good deal for you that was such a stupid deal for that guy well you know Zabanjad, he's, he's like, the commissioner too it doesn't matter it doesn't matter he moved a second overall when he'd finished fourth last the year before you don't like you never do that yeah that's pushing ahead the um the competing window when you haven't filled out the rest of your team like those those are the pieces that you hang on to and then you add when when Around teams them. fall out of contention and that kind of thing yeah, yeah. man it, that was such a silly deal but you're right when there's prospects involved you have a lot more leeway to ask for 140 percent yeah but if you're making a move for mckinnon say for example and i go out and offer you robertson or you ask me for Robertson, Hintz, and Pasternak. 
but you'll settle for two of them. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, you just, it doesn't make any guys. sense. Yeah. But yeah, when, when it, it is prospects for uh, producing um, high-level player, then then yeah, you can you can you throw out a few them. names and hopefully they you know you start the negotiation process and, and that totally and, yeah. yeah. Makes a difference. I got fifty-five minutes till the deadline. And one of my other leagues, I'm trying to make a move on Leo Carlson. Let me let me pick your brain on this. This is that uh, thirty-three. So this is what the guy said. He wants probably two of Krachinski, Nazar, Zellberger, Hudson, Stankoven, Brant Clark, or picks. And I only have top picks for the next two years. Is there a deal there? I don't see a deal there. Like, Say the prospects I again. Wouldn't, Korchin, so it's defenseman, Korchinski, Zellweger, Hudson, Clark, forwards, Nazar, or Stankoven, or top four picks in either of the next two drafts. And so this is a 32-team league. Depth is very important. Any two of those not, pieces, or is it... any? any well, I, I, I would offer two of those pieces. I wouldn't even think of moving three. Yeah. But yeah, any two. What do you do? Yeah. My, my initial reaction would be like, yeah, I can move Zellweger, but like, what's the second piece? Korchinski's number one on Chicago. Nazar, not moving. Stankoven, I don't want to move for Leo Carlson with Zellweger. Like, Stankoven and Zellweger? I don't think so, man. Plus, I'm short on forwards already. Ideally, it would be two D-men. So you're talking about like Hudson and Zellweger? Well, I don't think so. Yeah, I think if, you, if you're looking at and probabilities of competing, like that... that... That league is so built around um, depth. You need yeah. it's like it's so thin with a, it's a league that size, thirty-two teams, that uh, that you need your depth. So like the three for ones aren't quite as as a great strategy necessarily. Um, but no, I got to where I am in that league making two and three for ones in my favor like left and right yeah take two guys you bet take two guys you bet take two guys you bet yeah so yeah i, don't yeah, I would maybe do I, you know you, you probably won't get it but like zellweger and one of the picks not a top four pick in zellweger in next year's draft for leo yeah I, I don't know about that every time i watch anaheim and leo he always impresses me. I'm like, man, this guy is scratching the surface. Like, his skating was the only thing that they kind of talked about that might hold him back. And like, he gallops. Like, his crossovers are great. His zone entries. He's got quick hands. When that guy can start putting it together, and everyone around him's working, and they got um, Cutter over there, and if they can get a top pick this year, another forward. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, what do they even take this year? I mean, who cares? You're so stacked at every position. They now. might just it's go just another ridiculous. D if they're if they're I sitting think they will. outside of like like Cole Eiserman might be a nice piece for them. No. So no, no. But if they're sitting at like, you, you see where Dauber Prospects had him ranked? Sixteenth. Yeah, I don't care about Dauber Prospects rankings. Sixteenth. I mean, I don't. I don't understand. He's gonna be. Like for the first rounders, he's the youngest player in there. He's scratching on the under eighteen or the national development goal scoring record. 
Um, he's pacing at like seventh all time for that team, for that program in goals and around their points to uh, for points per game and goals per game. Um, they're, they're dogging on his, his skating a bit. Where he, everything by his shot, uh, really. and is like it's everything two way game. But you have to understand, like the way the national development program works, it's it's centered a lot about letting the offensive players play offense. Like it's not as much of a yeah, well, structured yeah. thing where it's like we're going to make you a complete player. That's what the next level's for. Uh, so it's. I, I still don't get the major drop in him. Like he scores goals better than, well, as I, I don't want to say as good as Celebrini in the draft, but you know, leading up to before this year, that's you could have said that. You know, Celebrini's kind of just blasted off and from being, you know, the next Jonathan Taze to being like the next Steven Stamkos, right? So. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like him for a pick for Anaheim. Silayev. Uh, That's the pick. Yeah, unless they go D again. That's a, such just... a perfect pick for them. He's everything they don't have in their system defensively, and he's no slouch offensively. Imagine that guy was Zellweger. <laughs> now you're talking. Minty and... Um... What's his face? Well, Minty doesn't need. I mean, Minty doesn't need the Chara beside him. But Zellweger's Zellweger's ceiling goes up if he's playing beside Salayev. Salayev, in my opinion, it it makes Zellweger safer. Yeah, the the sum the sum of those two together would would make them both. Yeah. Both. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a good pick. Any of the D, like if they, man, if they can. Mm, I don't know about any of the D. Like Zeev Bayam to Anaheim doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't um, know that Lev Shunov makes any sense, and I don't think that Pereke uh, makes any sense. But like a Dickinson makes sense. Yeah, Lev Shunov would be a bit more of what they already have. Like I, I compare him fairly similarly to to Minty uh, for that, uh, but. It's just an embarrassment of riches, really. At that point, then you, 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 you wouldn't scoff at the idea of having like four upper echelon offensive two-way defense, like <laughs> four, four number ones. Yeah, the issue there is that one of them will be lackluster at best defensively at the NHL level. Uh, Minty would be a he'll be a very good two-way player. Luno, I think, is a two-way guy. Um, I think Salayev just makes a ton of sense. He makes a ton of sense for that team. And then you run Luno as Minty as your second pair. Um, it's going to be a fun draft. I also wouldn't be surprised to see Anaheim trade that pick. Yeah, they might be. Yeah, it might. It might be time for them to to do some packaging. I think it's time. For, yeah. yeah, with Cutter coming next year already, right? Zalberger is going to play full time next year. It's it's time to make your way out of the bottom five for sure. Plus, the Pacific is primed for the taking for them. So yeah, I could see a move happening there mm. if someone presents it. I mean, they got Gibson too. Gibson should probably move on. So although he got hurt the other day. Mm. Um, okay, well that's enough talking about trading because I've got forty eight minutes left to make trades. So we gotta wrap this up fairly soon. <laughs> um, I know. Sorry, guys. 
we wanted to discuss last year's debate, this year's debate, the ongoing debate of Slavkovsky versus Cooley. So we have been Team Cooley traditionally. Uh, both. So last year I had the number one pick, you had the number two pick. You tried to uh, snake oil sail me into taking Slavkovsky. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't fall for it. Yeah, you. I said did. I didn't know who I would want. I said I'd be happy with. But you did you know don't. who you want. You did know who you wanted, though. You did. Yeah. Well, Cooley yeah. is just just smooth. Just such a smooth. You player. knew, anyways. And, it's besides yeah. the point. You were hoping that Cooley would be there too. Can we say that? Is that a fair statement? I at at that point in time, I was not sold on Slavkovsky. You know, mm-hmm. if everyone remembers, he shot up the draft board, the Olympics, yeah, the Olympics, um, yeah. Uh, worlds, worlds. Yeah, I was going to say World Juniors, but yeah, the worlds. He was great. Was not great. He played in the Finnish league. Which is not a great offensive league to develop in. Um, didn't have a great season there, but the Olympics and Worlds against men was great. And so, but I still wasn't buying it. I was like, eh, yeah. And you know, it was, it was Shane Wright. Neither of us wanted Wright. If he went first overall, no, we weren't taking Wright. <laughs> if he went yeah, first no overall, point. you kind of would have been like, "Well, I'm an idiot for passing on him," but I just didn't love the guy, and so I was I was happy with how that draft that draft went nuts. That was like those trades, anyways. Um, so yeah, so so those trades during that draft. Remember, um, like Chicago and Ottawa happened. Oh yeah, yeah, and um, Montreal traded Romanov for the Islanders pick and. Yeah, the the dock, the dosi do. Yeah, there was a lot going on. That was such a fun. That was a fun wild draft. draft. Was, like Nemec going yeah. second overall, and then um, third overall was Seattle. Or you thought Arizona for sure was taking Shane right, and then they took Cooley. No way. Yeah. At no point did I think Arizona was really? taking right. They were in love with Cooley. Like that was like a well known fight. I don't know how you can watch Cooley as much as Arizona had been rumored because. No one knew who was going one and two, but it was kind of thought that Cooley was going three. And Arizona had been watching Cooley, and they had watched a lot. Of him. I don't know how you watch that much of the guy and then switch. Because what ends up happening in that situation is uh, Jesse Puljujarvi falls to four when you were going to be taking Kachuk. And you're like, oh, well, we've seen a lot of Kachuk. We're like, Kachuk, but this guy's not supposed to be there. And then you jump on this guy who you haven't maybe seen enough of, and you make the wrong choice. Uh, Arizona was taking Cooley the whole time. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm convinced of it. And I think there was even stories like well before the draft that Arizona was taking Cooley if he was there. But anyways, besides the point, right felt four. We know the rest. Yeah. But, um, um, but yeah, so, yeah that was in, so between the two draft. of them, you know, like it's... It's it's been an interesting flip flop thing going on. Like it's hard to it's hard to say. Like from like Cooley had a, a really nice start to his rookie year this year. Uh, a lot of assists, not a lot of goals, and things just kind of dried up for him as it happens with nineteen year old rookies in this league. And so it's the game's still there, and they're kind of shuffling him around. They're not giving him prime time ice time. They're, they haven't tried him on that top line with Keller quite quite yet consistently. Uh, he was starting the year on the power play, 
playing um, playing in that uh, Ovechkin spot. But uh, but yeah, it's it's been you know like an, an up and down rookie year for him. And you know Slavkovsky last year was uh, yeah it just no one thought he should have been in the NHL that was watching it. They they stayed the course. Marty had a plan for him. He was getting more and more ice time throughout, and then um, and then he got hurt. And so, so it was kind of deemed as a failed um, a failed year for him to progress and develop. And so, coming into this year, his stock had really fallen, and then he had another rough start to the year. But boy, has Slavkowski been on fire! Like he has become the darling of the Montreal Canadiens fans. Oh man, they are loving him. And you know, like, and, and the whole the whole top line is profiting. Yeah, too. so it's so uh, it's all working. It's, it's kind of a remember in uh, NHL where you could like create the perfect line type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in 2016 or yeah, whatever. Top chemistry. It's almost like they figured they're 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 playing that game with it. Like Slaff is, he's not like your prototypical physical winger. At six foot four, two twenty or something, but he goes into corners now. And he's coming out with the puck. Um, he's making smart reads, going to the right spot. And the thing now is like this doctor shot guy that he's yeah. he's hired privately. You saw those clips. Hey? He's hired yeah. privately, and he's been working on his shot. Like, did you see that one a couple nights ago uh, where Suzuki made that nutso pass? through like five players to him and the way he cradled it and shot it all in one motion like dangerous like his, his shots coming along um he's making passes making plays i don't know i don't know what his ceiling's looking like now like todd bertuzzi yeah it's it's todd bertuzzi it really is like i don't 40, know 40. if he's i don't i don't know if he's a better goal scorer or a playmaker at this point and then you throw in the power forward aspect that we won't see that ceiling for four more years, probably. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice... And I'm, I'm glad it happened because like, I would have... When I'm, when I'm starting to package guys together for my team and, you know, like my Stutzla deal where I package Zellweger, Gunther, and uh, Kent Johnson... Uh, some if someone would have came deal. knocking on the door with a similar deal and wanted Slavkowski in there, I'd be like, I would sell them on him, but only because I was starting to lose faith in the guy. So it's so yeah, so yeah. There's there's a lot going on there, a lot to like. And then on the flip side, you got Logan Cooley who shows flashes, and it's just like he's got like this, like a little bit maybe potentially more well-rounded game, like kind of like a Matt Duchesne type of thing. And so, you know, it's like, which, which Matt Duchesne are you getting? But, but, <laughs> you know, like he's, he's sitting up there. He's still got like a 85, 90 point potential top line center, especially if he gets to, to ride shotgun with a guy like Keller eventually. And so, so yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Arizona and Arizona's just shit the bed so many times. Like, how do you pass on the talent that they're passing on? How does Zach Benson make it past them twice? 
You know, it's just it, it it's absolutely baffling to me how Arizona doesn't see that they're missing. Like, yes, I agree. Cooley can be that 80 to 90 point guy under ideal circumstances. Under less than ideal circumstances, it's more like 70 to 80. And who's your who's the guy who's making him better on that team right now? Is it Keller? I don't know about that. Is it Genther? Maybe Genther has like you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing from him at the pro level. But give me Zach Benson for crying out loud. <laughs> like, Benson would have complimented Gooley perfectly. Fell into their it? lap. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. He fell into their laps twice. It's And, you know, you see it. Um, I'd love to see a trade with Buffalo. Uh, probably not for Benson, but like Coolidge with Cooley would be a wonderful pairing. Like, get guys. If you put Genther on the left and Coolidge on the right, Cooley's potential bumps up f- to me for 90 to 100 instead of 80 to 90. Now he's got two guys who can score 40 goals on either side. I don't know that they'll be any good without the puck, but whatever. That's your power play unit. Like, get guys who can put the puck in the net for him. And instead, you got Daniil Boot and. Wow, I'm blanking on the Russian D-man's name. I've owned him, not Gulyayev. That's oh, uh, S- Siliyev. Or S- no, no, that's the that's, guy this year. Um, S- uh, <laughs> Anyways, Shivy, Savvy, Sada. So unlike us. I know this is the this is the uh, Reinbacher all over again. The Carey Price. What is this name? Are you googling yeah, it? I'm What's Rogan's guy's name? Who's the guy Rogan always goes, Hey, Donovan, call that up. Oh. What's his name? <laughs> um, I don't Rogan. Uh, I don't remember that well, this, one either. This episode has come to Jamie. a grinding halt. Jamie, pull that up. Jamie, thank you. Yeah. Jamie, pull that up. You found it yet? Uh, Simashev. Dmitry Simashev. Thank you. Yeah. Simashev, I actually get. I don't hate that pick, but Boot is just like, what are you doing? Anyways. Um, so if you had to pick right now, you can only have one of them. Who's your guy? Hmm. Wow, this is a major flip floppy, but like the guy's on quite the tear. <sighs> eight goals in eight games or something. Yeah. Quite the yeah, tear. it's pretty stupid right now. Uh, they're roughly the same age, both 19. In fantasy, I'm, I'm going to stick with Logan Cooley in fantasy. Um, but it's close. I think they're... Well, they're, in that case, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip on you. I'm going to take Slavkovsky because we're way ahead of schedule. Yeah. I think that... Uh, I mean, there's no... <laughs> The other thing is, like, these guys both have prime opportunities. No one's taking first-line C from Cooley long-term right now. No one's taking first-line wing from Slavkovsky. There's nothing coming up in Montreal behind those big three. Uh, Joshua Roy, I guess. But boy, does he ever bring a different game. So, yeah, I would take Slav at this point, I think. I'm ready to uh, believe the hype. I, I We never said he would be trash. We never put him in, in Shane Wright territory. We put him in, I think it was 20-30 for us because... The potential's there, but will he hit it? It's looking more and more like he's going to hit it. And, yeah, I, I think 80 points certainly is not out the window for him in the next two or three years at this point. Like, if he stays on that power play one, 
and those three continue to develop together. They, they've got everything they need. Yeah. The guy, yeah, and they've got Lane, and they got Lane Hudson coming. The guy is living the best life. Like seriously, things are coming together. He's in Montreal. The guy is like super stud, six foot four, and yeah, it's everything's gravy for him. And so, and he's and but the thing I love about him, and not to say anyone else or not, maybe because it's so publicized with Montreal, is his work ethic is out of sight. He is. He is crushing it. He is putting in the extra time before practice, after practice, hiring a specialty coach mid-season to come work on a shot. So it's, uh, yeah, it's really impressive. And, and Marty, Marty's doing the right thing. You know, it's like these these years are important in the new coaching era of like letting guys go out and play and make mistakes and and all that and, and learn. So. Yeah, I was going to say the those clips they've been putting out with Dr. Shot have got Montreal fans justifiably hornier than they've ever been. Yeah. I've never seen like Cole Caulfield's a hell of a shooter. I've never seen him working on a shot like that. Yeah. You know, and it's like it's every day. It's every day just putting in an extra hour, 150, 200 bucks every time. It's fantastic. It's good. See, it's what you want to see out of your kids. And like leading the way too, you know, uh Caulfield's a bit of a goof. Suzuki is a, a serious type. Slavkovsky taking the reins as being like the uh, the Ryan O'Reilly of this group, I'll say. You know, doing the laps on the stairs in the stadiums. Like, good. Yeah. They need that. Yeah. That's good. Uh, a couple other things I want to talk about before we wrap this thing up so I can make some trades. Who do you think is going to score more points the rest of the way? Andre Kuzmenko? Or Elias Lindholm. Ooh. I think currently they're tied. Kuzmenko scored last night. He almost had two. Yeah. Uh, Lindholm also scored yesterday. They both got three goals, I think. Kuzmenko's got like three goals on six shots or something stupid. But, I mean, that's kind of his MO. I, I worry a bit about the Flames moving forward the rest of the season. Only because the morale is like probably going to be taking a hit here the next little you while. You saw it yesterday. You saw it yesterday. Yeah. They thought Markstrom was getting dealt yesterday. Well, yeah. And like there were a lot still of rumors. And, uh, but it's like, you know, the guys that are left behind, like they're sitting there knowing like Hannafin's going, Tanev's going, Markstrom's going. You know, these guys are all pros, but it's just like it takes a bit. Uh, Lindholm with that bounce back two goals. Was that last night? Or the night before? Um, no, he had two goals in the opening game. I don't think he's had two since Yeah, yeah. Then. I think he had two against Chicago, was it? Did he? Yeah. Yeah. Recently, over the last couple days. Mm-hmm. So. Um, oh, sorry. Yes, against Detroit. Or Detroit. Yeah, last night. Yeah, last night. I missed the third period goal. Yeah. And he's got Pedersen going like. I'll say I'll say Lindholm will have more points the rest of the way, but it'll be close. I would love to see Kuzmenko go on a tear here. And actually, it's funny enough reading enough on uh, Vancouver boards. Vancouver fans are all for it too. They're like, yeah, let's. I hope Kuzmenko crushes it the rest of the year. They're. Uh, he's 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 that well liked of a player that after being traded that fans hope he he does well. Yeah, he's he's one of the best interviews around. 
Uh, Who do you got? And then the... Oh, I don't want to answer. I'm, I'm too biased. I've got Kuzmenko. Um, who do I... Yeah, I mean, Lindholm certainly should. Right? <laughs> He's playing with Pedersen and Miller on the power play. It, sh- it should be him yeah. and Hughes, not to mention... Um, I don't think he's a better so offensive sh- player necessarily, though. Um, so he ha- what, what you know? I think you could do a whole episode on this Yahoo because, like, when he had Kachuk and Godro, he was pushing ninety and he was plus one hundred and thirty-seven that year. Um, I can see why this year he dropped off the face of the earth in Calgary. With the contract talks and them not being close, and do you want me on the team? So I, I don't, I do think he will progress on the pace he put up in Calgary. Kuzmenko, if they're just telling him to go out and score goals, he's gonna go out and score goals, <laughs> like he is. No one on that team puts the puck in the net yeah. regularly. Like he, he, I'll, I'll say this. I think he's probably gonna lead the Flames in goal scoring the rest of the way. I think he's probably going to be up there as one of the biggest minus players the rest of the way. I think that Huberto is going to be happy to have him, but I think Lindholm's probably going to outscore him just because he's on PP one in Vancouver. It, like it's you give him an extra f- at least seven eight points just because of that. Yeah. So I will say Lindholm as well. For what it's worth, I think the Flames crush that deal because they will end up getting an asset for Kuzmenko when they move him next year. So good for them. It's a good trade for them. Uh, and then I guess, you know, man, can we talk about the Oilers for a couple minutes? What's up? I'm so unhappy. <laughs> I'm so unhappy. I like being right. And all the things that I said that are wrong with this team before their 16 game streak are still wrong with this team. They are such a mentally fragile bunch of dudes. They still can't defend worth a damn when they're not playing their absolute best hockey last night. Like, well, I mean, first of all, the blues got seven, eight, seven or eight straight power plays. You ever seen that before? Mm. (laughs) Like, and they played dumb. In the third period, they played dumb. But, like, they were letting stuff go. And it was pissing off the team. And they lost their composure. And they lost the game because of it. But I just... I I struggle to call this current team a cup contender. Uh, like, I just... I don't... The Vegas game was hard fought. But that's the type of game Vegas wins. And they won. They won it. You guys and they won it without that. their... Like the- Odds to win meter or whatever that is. So it was probably yeah, we were at like six, 64. Yeah. yeah, and they didn't have Eichel or Theodore. And Their goalie stood Aiden in his Hill head. Made... Hey. Their goalie stood in his head. Nah. Aiden Hill played very well. And then we go into L.A. What happens in L.A.? For nothing. Yeah. They absolutely shellac yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Big, big save Dave yeah. comes out. And he crushes us. So, in all honesty, the teams that I'm most worried about in the West are, well, I mean, it's half of them. But, like, Vegas, L.A., because L.A. will get their shit together, um, Colorado, and Dallas 
are the four teams that, and we'll, we're seeing Dallas tomorrow afternoon, so we're gonna lose that game. We always lose afternoon games. Um, I just, I, I, I still don't see a contender in this team. I still don't see it. We need at least a top four defenseman and uh, probably a, a winger. I don't know. I'm not sold on this team yet. Well, there's, yeah. So of those teams, like I follow Colorado, obviously, and <clears throat> coming out of the break, four straight losses. Like everyone goes through these rough patches and that and and you're propped up by your stars a lot, especially on these these upper echelon offensive teams. So it's a you, you just have to understand that's part of part of the process of the regular season. And then um and so between that and so it's like everyone goes through grows through these these phases. But yeah, the Oilers well, rumor has it that they're looking, trying to make a move for Chris Tanev, which is would be a beauty pickup for you guys. Uh, yeah, that would be a good move. But I don't know. I don't know how much the Flames want to help you. Like you, you have to come uh, well ahead with the best offer. So yeah. Well, I mean, they did just make the trade with Vancouver, though. I mean, we're not Vancouver yeah, when it comes to our rivalry. Different, but, and Vancouver is uh, offering the best offer. That was a good package yeah. for sure. Yeah, I just um, I I hear what you're saying about the process of the year. What scares me is when the Oilers aren't playing their best hockey. They're not a very scary team. And last year, after we got Ekholm, we played our best hockey from the deadline to the very last day of the year. We lost like three or four times I think in total we were like 21 and three or something stupid and then we went into LA and almost lost right off the bat it's gone you're not playing your best hockey then we play Vegas got our shit kicked um I don't believe this team can play their best hockey for 24 games in a row and we're too fragile to if you lose a game or two that's kind of it so I don't think we're there yet you think your abs are a favorite this year um yeah, no, there's too many holes on that forward crew. Like they're they're carried so much by that top line. Or not even that top line, by Nate and, and Rantanen. And so yeah, obviously everyone knows the second line center is a gaping hole for them. Uh Ryan Johansson just does not mesh with the Avalanche style. <laughs> It's um, just not a player. Uh, yeah, he's he didn't he didn't mesh in Nashville either. And they play a trap. He's made his money. He's having fun. He likes being a professional hockey player. That's that's about it. Like it's just the, the guy's just he doesn't have wheels. The game is the game is like passing him by, and so I don't know if there's any anywhere that he can find a spot on a good drive. Yeah, yeah I, send him to Arizona. Yeah, send him to Arizona. See what happens. Skating so shit. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and yeah, and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't dog on the guy, but um, but yeah, second line center, and then it's just like, well, how much do you want to spend to address that in the short term? Like, obviously, they would like to do something more longer term with that, and they would be willing to spend for it, but like. These guys have the Avs have a window with their top, you know, four players. 
I would I would consider moving Bowen Byram for the right package for there. Yeah, that makes sense yeah. to me. I think it's just it's just becoming obvious that he's a bit redundant with his his skill set there. Like he's he's a good defenseman, don't get me wrong, but he's never going to get top power play time. Um, his value is better elsewhere. And if he can bring in a, and he's got one more year left on this deal, and then it's just kind of like, but he's not he's not doing much this year. So, so yeah, I would I would look at the package him for a good. Like I was I was reading some, like someone was someone had offered up. Uh, this is just message board stuff, but like a deal around like Nick Schmaltz and Byram and like a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm like, Nick Schmaltz, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. No, seriously. Like that's, that's where it's come to. So, so yeah, they got to figure out a way to prop his value up because they're going to have to take some money from the blue line and put it in to that second line center. Cause that's just more important for them moving forward. Cause they just, they need that secondary scoring. So yeah, totally. So that's that's my long answer on the abs. It's they got some work to do. They know it, and I just don't know where you're going to find that second line center on long term. But having Byram in the fold to be able to do that, you know, it might work. Got to find somewhere like he would have been. He would have been a nice piece for Cutter Gauthier. Yep, I'd agree with that. Yeah. That would have been that would have been a nice trade. Um, I don't know if the Abs would have wanted any part of his shenanigans with wanting out of Philly or not, or or that. But but yeah, it's we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's it for our episode today. Uh, I've only got twenty two minutes to make trades. That's not enough time. We'll see how we do. I'll let you know how I did next week. You'll know how I did in one of the weeks. I did trade. Oh frick! I traded Bedard for McKinnon, in the league in the league where I was going for it. Couple a couple reasons there. I think some of our GMs are probably going to leave next year. I'm not sure the league's going to last. I'm in first place by a lot. Lock it down. That's not a trade I would make in most dynasty leagues. But uh, I mean, this trade helps me win for another year or two, anyways. Like is that you said, is. No, no, just to keep ten. Okay, so you got like a three-year, uh, like they'll they'll shift in in two seasons, yeah. maybe three. But I would say the year after next, Bedard's probably the second or third best player in the league. Matthews certainly has to be considered number two this year, if not number. I mean, the guy he might score seventy goals this year. He's freaking nuts. The guy's like single-handedly winning the least games they have no business being in. Mm. Heck of a player. All right, well, nice to see you, buddy. Hope you guys enjoyed our show. Happy trade deadline weekend. Yep. Happy Saturday. Happy time traveling. Happy weekend, y'all. We'll talk yo. to you next week. Happy weekend, y'all, as they say in Deaver's apartment. Right. See y'all later, y'all.